Trevor and Audrey Didell live in Snoqualmie, Washington, about 25 miles east of Seattle. 20 years ago, Snoqualmie had about 1,600 residents. Today, there are over 13,000 people. Single-family homes and tree-lined cul-de-sacs now spread across the valley. The Snoqualmie Parkway is the main artery running through town, so it dumps commuters onto Interstate 90 as they head to office jobs in Seattle. Just a simple right turn off that major road sits the home of the Dedells. We pull into the cul-de-sac. Audrey? Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I'm Chris. Nice to meet you, Chris. Nice to meet you too. Yeah. Audrey's living room is modern and fashionable. Hardwood floors, white fluffy rug. It looks like it's straight from an HGTV home remodeling show. The last place you'd expect to go and hear a story about a carnivore. But one morning last spring, Audrey's husband Trevor woke early to let the dogs out. And out of the corner of my eye to the left over the deck, I saw just this slow-moving, very long animal. And my mind was just trying to like quickly say, uh, is it a dog? Is it a deer? Like Kind of like going through what it could possibly be. But the long tail made Trevor certain he had seen a cougar. It was so low to the ground that there, it couldn't be a deer, and it was just so long that it just didn't seem like it fit for anything else. And how far off your, your deck here? Uh, 50 feet. But Trevor's wife, Audrey, wasn't so convinced. I mean, to give you some perspective, there's a Subway restaurant just around the corner from their house. If there was a Netflix series called Suburbia, it would be based here. I don't believe it. No way. That's mm. so that's so rare to see, like, in person. So Audrey set up a wildlife cam in their backyard. You know, one of those remote cameras that automatically takes pictures of things walking by. Maybe a photograph would settle the debate. A day or so later, she went to check the camera. And all of a sudden, sure enough, there it is, right there. I literally, like, ran inside. I was so excited. And I'm like, you're never going to believe what camera picked up. I'm like, there's a cougar back here. From KUOW in Seattle, I'm Chris Morgan. Welcome to the wild. I'm walking down this trail. It's October, late morning, about 11 o'clock. And suddenly in front of me, I see a cougar. So I stop and I take one more step and under my foot, the leaf crunches. And he turns around, spins right around on the spot. His whole body turns in front of me, his tail follows him and seems to last forever and disappears away from me in the opposite direction. So I do what exactly what you're not supposed to do, which is I run down this trail here and I get to the bend to see if I can see where he's gone. And then as I get to this bend, there's absolutely nothing. I mean, it's a it's 100 yards long in front of me, this straight trail between these tall trees. And there's no brush moving. It's a really still day. There's no twig snapping. There's absolutely nothing. And I just can't figure it out. I start scrambling around here. I'm looking for a track. I'm looking for a pile of scat. I'm just looking for any sign that that cougar was here. And there isn't one. And I'm thinking, is he watching me right now? And he probably was. And I, there's no way that I'd be able to see him. He just melted into the undergrowth here. 
and every time I'm on the section of the trail from that day onwards I'm thinking about that cougar and wondering if he's watching me and three out of ten times he probably is. Experiences like this and stories I hear from people like the Dedells make me wonder just what does the future look like for these big cats and for us as more and more humans live and recreate in cougar country. My friend Rocky Spencer was a cougar biologist with Washington State and he told me once about a complaint he received. He said, this old lady called him up one morning and said, Rocky... There's a cougar in my backyard. And Rocky says, Well, that's funny, because I got a call this morning from a cougar. He told me there's an old lady in his front yard. (laughs) But our backyards are getting bigger, and the cougar's front yard is getting smaller. Since 1980, the population of Washington State has gone from 4 million to almost 7.5 million. Development has been spilling out from urban centers into cougar habitat. To understand the impact cougars and humans have on each other, I turn to my friend... Brian Curtin. Chris Morgan. <laughs> How's it going, mate? He's a research yeah. scientist with Very Washington good. State Department of Fish and Wildlife, and he's been studying cougars in this area for nearly 20 years. He's trying to learn how cougars are responding and adapting to human development. I'm riding along with Brian and his truck on a gravel road, just off Interstate 90 near a popular hiking trail called Mason Lake. He's tracking a cougar that's wearing a radio collar. Brian's a big guy. He has a tattoo of trees on his forearm. He gave up a football scholarship to study wildlife. Which, you know, the unfortunate thing about that is I'm still... I'm still built very much like what I used to do on the football field which is probably not super conducive to tracking large carnivores. I am not the most aerobic human being on the face of the earth. I'm great if you need like a refrigerator moved or, you know, a couch lifted into the back of a truck or something like that, but like prolonged aerobic activity is not my greatest physical gift. The cougar Brian is looking for is named M48. Not Incredibly poetic, but it is science after all. M48 is a young male, about four years old, and a perfect candidate to study. This cougar can teach us a lot about how cougars interact with the environment we've created around them and reduce the potential for conflicts with people. The way that we value the landscape, we value forest, we value green belts and uh preserved areas basically we we value cougar habitat and so it's interspersed within this matrix of residential development and the cats are navigating this brian described this spider web of green spaces and development as corridors to nowhere but the cat doesn't know that Mm. the cats just fall you know the cat's going from tiger mountain to squawk mountain to cougar mountain and for all that cat knows is once it gets beyond cougar mountain it is it is Shangri-La. It is nothing but openness and and all kinds of great cougar habitat and abundant deer and elk to eat. And they have no idea what's they have at no, the end no, of that I trail. Mean, and it, but instead of getting you know this Shangri-La, they get you know Renton, and which is you know Renton's a nice town, but it's not Cougar Shangri-La. 
The receiver picks up a signal from a radio collar. It's him. It's M48. Mm -hmm. He's moving. We got a cat. He's somewhere. We don't know where, but we got a cat. Got a That's cat. pretty nice. Well, this is interesting. Oh my god. Now, this is this is one of two things. Either he's crossed I-90 for the first time, which it's possible. I I'm not so sure. I think he probably crossed overnight. Oh my god. I mean, so, so far, cool. that's what it's kind of saying. The highway itself is part of the human development that is shrinking the corridors where these cats can move. The six lanes of I-90 have boxed them in. The highway might as well be a mile-high brick wall to all types of animals. So this cat, if he has crossed the highway, mm -hmm. what's he got on this side of the highway? What's the new world he's found down here? Basically, compared to where he's been spending the last you know, 17 months and three weeks that, that he's been monitored, uh, this is orders of magnitude better. There's much less residential development, much less chance of being hit by a car or shot at by a homeowner. His, his odds of survival, his risk of mortality are, you know, they've just flipped. Good luck, M48. Brave new world for him. You only have to look around here to realize that every cougar, every day, is in survival mode. How to hide, when to hunt, what to hunt, how to avoid other predators, how to stay alive. But our close proximity to these cats carry a risk to humans as well. Wildlife officials are baffled by the first deadly mountain lion attack in Washington state in nearly a century. We're told the attack happened east of North Bend just after 11 o'clock this morning. In May of 2018, near one of the most popular hiking trails in Washington state, and just miles from the Dedell's home, two mountain bikers were attacked by a young male cougar. One cyclist was badly injured, the other was killed. It was an unusual incident, extremely rare. The last fatal cougar attack in Washington was nearly 100 years ago. But later that same summer, in Oregon, a woman was killed by a cougar the first for the state. The hunchback trailhead near the Zigzag Ranger Station closed off to hikers. This as authorities search for the cougar suspected in a deadly attack. And in February of this year, a runner in Fort Collins, Colorado was attacked by a juvenile cougar, but the man survived. These recent attacks have made people afraid. I've heard from some who are uneasy to go out into places where there might be cougars. Even my buddies, Many of them experienced outdoorsmen seem to be looking at cougars differently. But one friend has more experience than most. In fact, he's had more than one encounter with cougars. Bruce McNay is 75 years old. He and his wife Jean live just south of Carnation, a beautiful place and a bit of a mecca for wildlife. Every time I come, Bruce has a, a new story about a bear, an elk, a deer or a bird. He talks about them like they're family. My experience with these guys is they're really pretty shy. Where I can, I won't make my presence noticed so I can observe them more. Mm -hmm. Cougars help maintain this ecosystem Bruce sees on his farm. It's an ancient system, and he sees the balance right outside his window all the time. Predators and prey are a part of his everyday world. Bruce takes me out to a spot on his property where he had a cougar encounter. 
He was walking on a path around his land when he heard a noise. He thought maybe it was a hunter. I'm scaling visually that hedge there, and as I, thinking I'd see a rifle butt or something up there, and as I crossed over, I dropped my eyes down, the cougar's right there. Mm. And if, wherever it is from that gate, 11 paces, this is where I was standing. That's where, where, that's where <laughs> this, wow. this energetic... What goes through your mind? Well, I was thrilled at first and concerned at the same time. Bruce found himself in a stare-down with a big male cat. The cougar head-to-toe filled the entire length of the eight-foot gate on the edge of Bruce's property. A big tom like this can weigh in at 175 pounds. The feline was down, basically in an attack position. Ears back, forehead wrinkled, eyes on me. He's ready to make it. Wow, and he make may, it off. I mean, it's thick brush through here. Well, I mean, he's, he's, he may have he been, doesn't see he may me have been watching you for, for, yeah. for a little while, well, potentially. Yeah. I think he preps to take you down if, yeah, exactly. if you look like a choice prey item. Eyes locked. Bruce didn't have anything to defend himself, not even a stick. I unzipped my coat, brought it up over my head, and I'm... <laughs> And I made that sound. You scared and, the shit out of me, that's for sure. <laughs> he didn't bat an eyelash. So I thought, well, damn, that didn't do it. You know, that hasn't changed the equation at all. Now time is marching on. We're, we're having a pretty long connected uh, spell here. Bruce tried to shake the cougar again. This time he raised his arms up and clapped twice. The big cat stood up, turned sideways and simply walked away. He didn't bother to look back at me. I am an Alpha Tom, and I can seriously kick your ass, and I'm really not too concerned about you, and ta-ta, I'll see you next time. There are just over 2,000 adult cougars in Washington State, and, and that means that there are two cats for every 39 square miles of suitable habitat. They're out there, and our hold on their land is getting tighter. You can clearly see that on Bruce's farm. And I think in this place in particular, I mean, you could hear the tractor next to us. You can hear a truck going by on the highway once in a while. And it just shows that these cats are using this landscape with deep secrecy. You wouldn't even ever know that they're there, but they are. <laughs> There's the sound of the truck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it's amazing to think that these cats are here and getting across the, the roads, hopefully most of the time making their way from one backyard to the other, even if it's a 35-acre backyard like Bruce and Jean's here. Um, and kind of making a living, but struggling. It's not easy for them. Living by their wits and living by their opportunities that they make for themselves, ultimately. I get a text from Brian Kurtzen, who's been tracking M48. The cougar didn't cross Interstate 90 after all. Turns out the radio signal was bouncing off the ridge south of the highway and giving a false reading. I'm disappointed for M48, but it could be worse. He's at least alive, still looking for his Shangri-La. Brian also tells me that M48 is the same cougar that Trevor and Audrey Dedell saw in their backyard. Amazing, and, and it just shows how these animals are really moving all over this terrain. A male's range can be 100 or even 200 square miles. Part of Brian's work is looking at the impact that humans are having on these animals, and an important part of that is to monitor the next generation of cougars. He believes he has located a den site, a nursery, with a mama cat and her kittens. 
and he wants to tag the kittens and get some DNA so that he can track their health and movements as they grow. Brian asks us if we want to join him. No need to ask twice. And like a couple of kids at Christmas, we show up to join him the next morning. We meet at a gas station in Deer Park. It's on the eastern side of Washington State, almost in Idaho. My producer Matt and I follow behind Brian. He's listening on his receiver for the Mama Cougar. He knows she's in the area. He reaches me on the two-way radio. Uh, you want some good news? Absolutely. Get in here. That signal is hammering. Oh, that's awesome. How, how close do you think we are at this point? 215 meters from the known dead site. We get out onto the logging road. It's about 90 degrees, but everyone puts on long sleeves and gloves as we prepare to make our way to the cougar den to search for the kittens. I come up against this wall of brush and we start bushwhacking our way up. I'm throwing my leg over dead fallen trees. I'm sweaty. This is not easy. Cougars are total experts at maneuvering through dense undergrowth like this. I am not. This is a far cry from the back deck of the Dedells. We're in deep this time. And I honestly don't quite know what's ahead. So we're following like a combination of the GPS where Brian has the location of the den marked and the signal from the radio collar of the mother. It's like a lion track here. A lion track with a scrape right here. Very fresh in the duff. Oh, hornet nest, guys. Oh, it's goped down. It's a hornet nest right there. Yeah, I just got stung a few times. How many times did you get stung? Like three. Yeah, me too. Nasty. Bit of a jolt. Well, you gotta pay the piper, gentlemen. These things aren't free. We move our way higher up the ridge. The signal starts booming in. Within 50 feet. You hear that? Within 50 feet. We search around the area pushing our way through the thick brush. It's hard to imagine finding a tiny kitten when I can't even see Brian three paces away. Oh, what? What's up? Mom. Where? Right in front of me. Brian comes up on the mother. She's ten feet away. He hears her growl but never sees her. It's a reminder of how these cats can just melt into their surroundings and we all freeze. I'm ready for a standoff. Brian warned me it could happen. But then she seems to back away, allowing us to move in. I'm amazed, despite her mother's instincts, she wants no part in being around us. Everything good? We're good. I can't help but feel like an intruder, but it's this science and love for these animals that will keep them around. We got three kittens right here. A little dirty. Mr. Morgan. <sighs> Oh my god. Are you kidding me? So here's three of them. Oh, I might have. <laughs> Let me give you a hug. <laughs> you well? Oh my god. Yeah, so we'll, I want to, we're going to do this fast because uh, it just, you know, mom was here. I, I don't want to stress her any more than she already is. Brian hands me the first kitten. The next generation. 
and the whole world disappears from around me. I even forget about the mom who's still not far away. Okay, so this little guy is big enough to fit into my two hands. You can hear him growling, and his paws are oversized. Is this the female? That's the female. So now I'm holding the female, and Brian's got it covered with a towel. Did you freak out in there? It was dark, wasn't it? Oh yeah, this one's smaller than the male. And she's panting and she's got these deep purple eyes. Purple blue eyes. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my life. Wow, covered in spots like a light tawny color. And just, there's the eyeball to eyeball moment I've always wanted. Brian assesses the kitten's health and sex, two females and a male. When he's done with the second kitten, he hands it off to me. Oh, another one, okay. Got my hands full of cougar kittens. I think one of them peed on me. Honestly, it's just the, the sweetest, most innocent face in the animal kingdom. It's just hard to describe. It's looking at me right in the eyes now. And its whiskers are pointed forward. Its tongue's just sticking out slightly like you see a house cat sometimes. And every so often it'll bare its teeth and look at me and it looks like it wants to let out a lion roar, and nothing comes out. <laughs> oh, a sneeze. No, that wasn't a sneeze. That was him swinging at my face. Oh, was it? Wrong. Was it? Oh, yeah. Took a swing at you? Yeah, that was a, that was a hiss. A snarl. You didn't tell me not to get too close. Even at just four weeks old, these miniature lions have a feisty survival instinct. Piss and vinegar, as Brian calls it. Brian finishes up tagging each kitten and taking a small DNA sample to help build a picture of this population. And we're out. We don't want to disturb the young cats or their mother any longer than we have to. We'll just set them down and uh, tell them we're sorry for bothering them. Tell them to relay an apology to their mother. But uh, they're going to generate all kinds of really valuable data. So... They're ambassadors for their species. Say bye. The mother will come back after we leave and may move them to another den site nearby. That's something they do fairly often anyway. We leave the kittens and scramble down the hillside towards the trucks. I'm exhausted but exhilarated from the rush of adrenaline. I hang back, thinking about what just happened. What's around the corner for these tiny cougar kittens? I hope their grit and determination sees them through. Because they're entering a changing world. It's changing for all of us. But the fact is that these big cats help keep ecosystems healthy. It's an ancient role they play. And to me, the bottom line is amazement that these cats are out there watching us, even if we never see them. And looking at it through their perspective, reminds me how lucky we are that they have found a way to work around us, among us even. Sometimes people ask me, how do we coexist with cougars? And I say, we already are.
We have some amazing photographs and video of the cougar kittens on Instagram. Check us out at The Wild Pod. On the next episode of The Wild, I'll take you into bear country, a research expedition, and the first time I caught a grizzly. It's not as easy as you might think. The Wild is inspired not just by nature, but by people who work in it, love it, protect it. There's a ton of information on the website if you want to find out more. KUOW.org slash The Wild. The Wild is a production of KUOW in Seattle in partnership with my work at Chris Morgan Wildlife. A special thanks to Mary Ann Tagney and David Jones for sponsoring this episode. Our producer is Matt Martin, fully recovered from his Hornet encounter. Jim Gates is our editor. Brendan Sweeney is our managing producer. Our fact checker is April Craig. And thanks to David Brown, who helps engineer our show. It's great being a part of this podcast with you guys. Our theme music is by Michael Parker. Other music in this episode comes from Les Hayden, Jason Shaw, and Soul of Flair. I'm your host, Chris Morgan. <laughs>